coming up. What an excellent day for a horrible stench. Well, howdy, folks, and welcome to Minute 63 of The Exorcist Minute, a show where we endeavor to examine, extrapolate, and excavate The Exorcist, minute by terrifying minute. My name is Lester Ryan Clark. And I'm Keenan Diaz. And we'll be your holy guides on this journey through what some have called the scariest movie of all time. So, our minute begins with the psychiatrist saying, I'm speaking to the person inside of Reagan now. And it ends with us peering through some blue bleachers at Karis running along a track. Yes, but before we get a little well-needed fresh air and exercise, (laughs) exercise, let's go to that room at the top of this minute where our psychiatrist is breaking through and making contact with the person inside of Reagan. Folks, I've been waiting for this one. I have another reading for you that I cannot wait to share. So if you're ready and you're not too scared, dim the lights, make yourself comfortable, and let's have a listen. A reading from the Book of Blatty. I am speaking to the person inside of Reagan now, the psychiatrist said firmly. If you are there, you You too are are hypnotized and must answer all my questions. For a moment, he paused to allow the suggestion to enter her bloodstream. Then he repeated it. If you are there, then you are hypnotized and must answer all my questions. Come forward and answer now. Are you there? Silence. Then, something curious happened. Reagan's breath turned suddenly foul. It was thick, like a current. The psychiatrist smelled it from two feet away. He shone the penlight on Reagan's face. Chris stifled a gasp. Her daughter's features were contorting into a malevolent mask, lips pulling tautly into opposite directions, tumefied tongue lolling wolfish from her mouth. Oh my god! breathed Chris. Are you the person in Reagan? She nodded. Who are you? No one may... She answered gutturally. That's your name? She nodded. You're a man. She said, Say... If that's yes, nod your head. She nodded. Are you speaking in a foreign language? Where do you come from? Dog. You say you come from a dog? Dog morph Mokion. The psychiatrist thought for a moment, then attempted another approach. When I ask you questions now, you will answer by moving your head. A nod for yes, and a shake for no. Do you understand? Regan nodded. Did your answers have meaning? He asked her. Yes. Are you someone whom Regan has known? No. That she knows of? No. Are you someone she's invented? No. You're real? Yes. Part of Regan? No. Were you ever a part of Regan? No. Do you like her? No. Dislike her? Yes. Do you hate her? Yes. Over something she's done? Yes. Do you blame her for her parents' divorce? No. Has it something to do with her parents? No. 
with a friend? No. But you hate her? Yes. Are you punishing Reagan? Yes. You wish to harm her? Yes. To kill her? Yes. If she died, wouldn't you die too? No. The answer seemed to disquiet him, and he lowered his eyes in thought. The bed springs squeaked as he shifted his weight. In the smothering stillness, Reagan's breathing rasped as from a rotted, putrid bellows. Here, yet far, distantly sinister. The psychiatrist lifted his glance again to that hideous, twisted face. His eyes gleamed sharply with speculation. Is there something she can do that would make you leave her? Yes. Can you tell me what it is? Yes. Will you tell me? No. But abruptly, the psychiatrist gasped in startled pain as he realized with horrified incredulity that Reagan was squeezing his scrotum with a hand that had gripped him like an iron talon. Eyes wide, staring, he struggled to free himself. He couldn't. Sam, Sam, help me! He croaked. Agony. Bedlam. Chris looking up and then leaping for the light switch. Klein running forward. Reagan with her head back, cackling demonically, then howling like a wolf. Chris slapped at the light switch, turned, saw grainy, flickering film of a slow-motion nightmare. Reagan and the doctors writhing on the bed in a tangle of shifting arms and legs, in a melee of grimaces, gasps, and curses, and the howling, and the yelping, and the hideous laughter, with Reagan oinking, Reagan neighing, then the film racing faster and the bedstead shaking, violently quivering from side to side as Chris watched helplessly while her daughter's eyes rolled upward in their sockets, and she wrenched up a keening shriek of terror torn raw and bloody from the base of her spine. Reagan crumpled and fell unconscious. Something unspeakable left the room. (laughs) That was less of a sheesh and more of a folks. (laughs) And I I think you can see why I wanted to read this little bit of uh, text here. The conversation between our psychiatrist and uh, the person inside of Reagan isn't in the movie, but if you're reading along, in the book, it's the first real hint, the first real taste we get of this new character. I, I say new as if we haven't seen or heard from him before, as if as if we haven't been talking about him for, you know, God knows how many minutes, mm-hmm. making jokes and theories and all that. But I always felt like this conversation in the book was uh, a herald of what's to come. It's really, really interesting. Um, as long as I've known this story, I've sort of gone back and forth on my feelings of the treatment of Captain Howdy as a character. As much as I like this character, there are times I got to admit that he feels less like a character and more like a force of nature that the other characters are dealing with. Mm, that's interesting. One of my one of my pet peeves is when somebody says like um of, of some given movie, uh, like the landscape is a is a character or the mm. the weather is a character. And I go, yeah. "No, the characters are characters." <laughs> The landscape is the landscape. <laughs> the snozberries taste like snozberries, <laughs> oh, and the, they're not characters. The snozberries are character. Yeah, the candy is a character. <laughs> the factory is a character. No, it's a setting. Yeah. Um, but, so I see. But this is where we get him dramatized, right? So Yes, right? Um, now, the book does a little bit more in the way of <laughs> fleshing him out and <laughs> making him into – I'm really proud of that, actually. Um <laughs> 
and making him into a really interesting villain, not just a creature, not just a monster, but a villain. Those those bedside conversations he's going to have with Karis remind me of talks uh, Max von Sydow has across the chessboard in The Seventh Seal or, mm-hmm. or the ones which uh, Special Agent Starling has with her villain, right? Separated as they are by a strong pane of glass, mm-hmm. right? That's what draws me back to this story again and again, the the quid pro quo, right? The the eternal chess game, right? That That's coming up and I'm excited for it. But even that, and I'm realizing this now for the first time, even that isn't the end of the evolution uh, of this character, right? Our other characters, our human characters, right? They start out human. We laugh with them. We cry with them. In this story, we cry a lot with them. Um, we know them. We know them intimately. We know Chris and Karis better than they know themselves. Mm-hmm. In, in both the movie and the book, there are times when we are these characters. We are sobbing with them, having just received some terrible news, or we are uh, uh, sitting up with them at night contemplating some terrible existential question about life and death and faith. We are not allowed to know Captain Howdy in this same way. Captain Howdy is unknowable. He he is no one, as he says, right? And that's by design, right? How do you humanize something that isn't human? How do you identify with a demon? Do you mean it's by by Captain Howdy's design or by the uh, Blatty's design? I think it's by both, Keenan. Hmm. Like previously, if you look at stories about, you know, somebody walking on the road and they meet the devil late at night and mm-hmm. there's this exchange, right? Or we have Faust and Mephistopheles and stuff like that, right? Like we make him into a character, right? But I guess canonically, a ca- catholically, right? <laughs> we're, we're not supposed to uh, put human qualities onto uh, I guess angels or demons, right? Uh-huh, they're yes. they're they're in a separate category, right? Right. Like we have motivations, we have weaknesses, we have fears, right? But they're they're almost in a completely different uh, category than us, right? So it's it's interesting when, like, I remember even Max von Sydow saying that you know, before taking on this film, he always saw the devil as a bit of a loser, as a bit of a like um you know kind of like this um. But of all the jokes in all of his fairy tales that he had growing up, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's in one of the documentaries that we saw. I think um, um, uh, The Fear of God, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's talking about uh, how like his, um, I guess, uh, uh, relationship with the devil comes from all these fairy tales where the devil is a very human character, mm-hmm. right? And we don't – I guess we kind of like – uh, that's our default, right? We can't help but uh, put uh, uh, human qualities into even even when we cast like you know God in a story that we're that we're doing, right? Like um, uh, I'm thinking of John Milton, right? In Paradise Lost, right? God is a character, right? We don't we don't know anything but human emotions and human fears and human desires, right? So every character that we put uh, into our stories is going to be essentially a human character. Well, that's really interesting. Like a lot of the um pantheonic uh, religions or the uh, polyistic religions. Like I can't speak for all of them, but uh, they don't know all of them, obviously, but a lot of them uh, have very emotional gods, right? Like, yes. like they're jealous of each other. They lust for people. They, mm-hmm. they have failings. Um, and then the invention of the, the monotheistic God, uh, Yahweh, right? He, he yeah. is above those things. Right. Um, right. So, so, um, so I don't know. So even like Rama and Shiva, they have, they have emotions and they act out of emotion sometimes and they could be tricked out of failures. And, um, but, um, you know, uh, the, 
Jehovah is able mm-hmm. to look at, at uh, Job and say, like, how could you try to, um, what does he say when he's the storm? He says, like, where were you when I created the heavens and the earth? Like, how could you right. possibly understand um, in your human mind frames, like, what I what I have planned, right. what I think? Yeah, what I am, right? right. I am, yeah, I am, right? Am, right? And then and then here we have, like, I am no one, right? Uh-huh. I, am, I am unknowable, right? But no, Keenan, yeah, actually, that's that's a very good point, right? I think we talked uh, before on this show about, um, yeah, like like in, in those polytheistic days, right? Like we had uh, Zeus, you know, just sleeping around and being mm-hmm. an asshole and, and being very, very human and not even – and that's that's the funny thing is like not even like the ideal version of a human, right? No, nope, not at all. Like, like just a just an – just an a-hole, right? <laughs> but like a very powerful a-hole that could step on you. So mm-hmm. be, you know, be nice to him <laughs> and show respect. Um, or like, you know, like Medusa's whole tragedy, right? Like, I mean, she, she's not a god, but like mm-hmm. she was punished for a very, very like wrong reason, right? Like mm-hmm. she was the victim and she was, uh, you know, but it's like, it's this petty jealousy that's going on. That's a human thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, you know, back in the day, we would associate all of these human traits. We were like, well, you know, our gods must have like these human qualities, right? in the, Mm -hmm. in the same way. Right. Um, actually that's a big criticism between paradise lost and, uh, Dante's Inferno, uh, or sorry, divine comedy, which is the whole thing. Right. right? Uh, Um, because Milton characterizes God and heaven and talks about it in great detail. And, and like we get into, um, God's head and we, we get into Jesus's head. But, uh, when Dante visits, uh, Paradiso, right. Mm -hmm. He, like he he kind of uh, does he pulls a he pulls an HP Lovecraft right he he says it's undescribable it's indescribable I can't I can't even you can't even imagine what I'm <laughs> looking at right now right mm-hmm. like I can't even like words mere words will not uh you know properly uh describe God to you so I'm not even gonna try right right it's like trying to describe to somebody uh like um, uh, Baja Blast like what is <laughs> what is the flavor of a Mountain Dew Baja Blast. <laughs> <laughs> I have no words for it, and so I call it Baja Blast. (laughs) (laughs) Prophet, tell us about this new Coke. (laughs) Oh, it's kind of like old Coke, but... uh... (laughs) But it is the way and the light and the truth. (laughs) It's it's just Pepsi. It's just Pepsi, yeah, yeah. (gasps) All the Pharisees are getting mad again. There's Pilate. He's washing his hands. <laughs> he's drinking a Fanta, though. So oh, I don't know. No. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, so so that that was always my big thing is like, how do you identify with a demon, mm-hmm. right? So even as we go through this story, as we slowly meet our demon, as he slowly comes forth and answers us, I think I'm realizing now that his arc is a little bit different from our other characters and also different from how I first thought of it, right? He's not, he's not merely a force of nature and he's not unidentifiable. But while our other characters start out like us and perhaps teach us something about ourselves, Captain Howdy starts out nothing like us. And the scariest thing about him is his progression, his evolution into something that could be like us. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, this is something I'm workshopping. We may, we may come back to this thing. We may not. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so he starts off what as like ideas of the past, right? These statues of Pazuzu, and then he's embodied in the wind. And then he gets language through the Ouija board, but not, not a, um, a a corporeal form. And then he's a face and then he's in someone else's body. That, Mm -hmm. that tracks a lot, Lester. That, that makes a Mm -hmm. lot of sense. 
Yeah. He's becoming um, – I, I think like our, our human characters are becoming more well-rounded humans mm-hmm. and he's he's adopting human qualities, like physical ones like you say, like, like a voice and a body and things like that. But uh, I'm really, really excited uh, for when uh, we get a little bit later because – He's going to have some even more subtle human qualities that I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but for now, I, I want to talk here about something that stood out to me. I don't, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but Captain Howdy just sort of maybe unintentionally uh, uh, laying to rest all fears about guilt over divorce. <laughs> like the psychiatrist is like, do you blame her for her parents' divorce? No. Like, like just, just immediately, right? Like it's not your fault, Reagan. It's not your fault, but I also hate you. <laughs> I think it's really interesting, right? Because if Cap, yeah, that's the right thing for the psychiatrist to ask, because the psychiatrist thinks that Reagan, it, this is a, this is Reagan's imaginary friend, and Reagan is working right. out her business there. So if Cap and Howdy were to say yes, then the psychiatrist, I'm thinking just from Vladdy's perspective, right? Then the psychiatrist would not would think that oh, this is this is what's you know this is it's case closed. This is what I thought. Exactly. This is yeah. this is the the only answer I was I was thinking was going to right. happen. So so. The demon has to say no from Blatty's point of view, but then you're right. Hmm. It adds it adds a weird, um, not bad, but weird texture to that. Yes, right. Um, and every time I read that part, I was always like, it's like God, I I, I kind of wish Reagan were awake to hear <laughs> that part of it. Like him just blatantly saying like, no, that's not it, right? Because obviously that's what he whispers to her in order to torment her, right? <laughs> like he's he's like he's lying to her. He's saying that this is all her fault, right? He's saying that her parents don't love her. Like she's a she's a, you know, a bad kid, a bad person, you know, all this stuff, right? That we can only imagine, right? right. And we also got Chris worrying about it as well. So even if she thinks this is just Reagan's subconscious talking to hear it just say no mm-hmm. like that has got to be some sort of relief maybe or I don't know actually because like now even the psychiatrist is lost he's like okay what the hell is the problem then, <laughs> yeah, what right is like your deal girl <laughs> yeah like divorce <laughs> divorce guilt I can deal with like what is this right <laughs> right Reagan's not like other girls yeah. <laughs> Divorce doesn't phase her. That's so Reagan. Um, there we go. That's the that's the other uh, uh, TV show spinoff, right? There, uh, title, There must right? be a meme. <laughs> oh, there has so to Reagan. be. All right. I need to pull this up and see. Listeners, it, like if that isn't a meme, somebody go and make that. It's like, that's so Reagan. That has to be like – We've, 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 it's, it's already, it already exists, Keenan. All I, all I see is Ronald Reagan with the <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah, that's so Reagan and it's Ronald Reagan. Well, that's there we go. so Reagan. Yeah, but I don't Folks, see any Reagan McNeil. Folks, you're welcome. Like, go, go out, go forth, and, and, and post that meme on all of the Exorcist <laughs> Facebook pan, uh, fan pages. Mm-hmm. And uh, 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 direct them to our show. Yeah, You'll be the bell of the ball. <laughs> you will. Well, great. Well, anyways, we're looking for more Mert Exorcist style uh, memes and merch. Send them our way. Yes, yes. However weird they are, we'll love mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reagan Pez dispenser. <laughs> um, only green Pezes, though. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, a- a color forms. Let's bring those back, guys. Oh, color yeah. forms. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> What's a color form? It's like a sticker that doesn't stick. <laughs> Oh, I'm intrigued. I'd like to purchase your company for $50,000. 
how it forms. <laughs> just uh, yeah, just howdy enterprises. Yes, <laughs> I'm I'm the I'm the uh, the the head of this corporation. I'm literally just a head, actually just a face. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So why why would you use a color form as opposed to a regular sticker? They because you can reuse it. So it, it, it's oh. like yeah, it's so so a color form comes with. <laughs> Talking about color forms now. <laughs> well, I've never heard of it. Well, no, it, like, like, um, it, it it comes with like a backdrop. It's 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 almost like a background and and animation cells. Oh, um, okay. But they're these little plastic, little vinyl, like see through things with the characters painted on them, and you just stick them on the like the scene, right? Mm-hmm. So it would be, um, oh shoot, like what do we got? Um. It would be He-Man. It would be Castle Grayskull and like there would be like uh, you'd have Skeletor and you'd have He-Man and you'd have like all the little – you have Orko and and you just like stick them on like – like uh, you just stick them in places mm-hmm. and make little scenes. Okay. And then you could unstick them and put them somewhere else because they're just, you know, like these little vinyl – these little plastic things. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. And that's the kind of nostalgia that's going to uh, send our podcast to the top, I think. I think so. I think hey, so. You remember remember whatever it is that Lester was just talking about? <laughs> Cuz I don't. <laughs> color forms, Keenan. Color, color forms. forms. <laughs> yes. We got Exorcist Pogs. Come on. <laughs> I'd love to see some Exorcist Pogs, yes. That would be great. Yeah. A little Pazuzu head slammer. Boom. All right. Where where are we? Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, we were talking. Oh, yeah. Right. Back to the uh, divorce guild, right? Mm-hmm. Um Remember no. how when your parents got divorced? <laughs> that's, that's the Lester and Keenan nostalgia hour. <laughs> Weren't those simpler times when your parents and to were deal divorced? with it, you ate your you ate your Captain Howdy cereal and and you stayed in your room. You played on your your color forms, your Exorcist color forms, mm-hmm. right? Oh boy, the power of Christ compels you to go out and get another box of cereal. No. Um, <laughs> That would that would be Captain Howdy's rival cereal. Mm-hmm. That would be um, uh, Christ flakes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys, I couldn't think of a better name. I it, just it only know. comes with it only comes with one little flake, and you have to turn it into the uh, enough to feed the multitude. Right. <laughs> we only have half a cup of milk and one single flake. What are we going to do? That's where Christ comes in. There we go. Right. Um, okay. 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 <laughs> okay. So, I, but I wanted to talk about one more thing that always confused me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so the psychiatrist asks, do you hate her for something that she's done? Mm-hmm. And then he answers, yes. Mm-hmm. What has she done? I think that's really intriguing. Maybe we were not supposed to know. Like if the question was, do you hate her for what she is, right? Mm-hmm. Like a human, an innocent, a pure right. soul, mm-hmm. then Captain Howdy says, yes, okay, I get that, right? Because demons hate people, mm-hmm. right? But hate her for something she's done. And then like spoilers, folks, Blatty never elaborates on that, right? Right. It's not in the movie and it's only in the book and it's just here, right? And that's what I mean when I say our Captain Howdy, like even in the book, starts out as this sort of like incomplete character and he gets fleshed out literally as the story goes on. The only thing I can, the only thing I can think is like if, if Blatty is writing from a like Catholic dogmatic perspective, Mm -hmm. like are we talking about original sin or something? Mm-hmm. Like, do you hate her for what she's done? Like, like, is that what he's saying? Like, is is he like trying to insert some kind of like Miltonian, like, like, oh, Lucifer hates Adam and Eve because like he's he's a jealous older brother 
you know. But what does like, Pazuzu care about that? I right. Oh, you're getting you're getting into. Ooh, we're 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 treading on that territory. <laughs> I, I want to. Um, but yeah, so this, this whole thing of, of like, you hate her over something she's done. And that always puzzled me. It's like, because yeah, Blatty likes, likes, um, like hanging these things out there and never like concluding them like the thing with Pazuzu, Mm -hmm. like the thing with like, what has Reagan done that, that specifically Captain Howdy would be angry about, right. Other than just like, I don't know, being human. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what I mean. Like when I say, uh, like our Captain Howdy, even in the book, right? He starts out uh, as this sort of incomplete character that gets fleshed out literally as as the story goes on, right? Like like Blatty elaborates on why Captain Howdy hates Marin. That's actually explained, right? Like that's like the last puzzle piece in the building of Captain Howdy as a as a three dimensional almost human character, right? And we get this little insight at the very end because up until that point, like we sort of alluded to in the previous minute with the throne and the hall of the demon King. Remember that Keenan we were mm-hmm. talking about, right? So, so that, that kind of like, like set the stage because even when we're talking to him later and captain Howdy is being eloquent and, you know, sassy chess playing Hannibal Lecter type <laughs> villain, right? Like, like, which is great, which is a, a wonderful treat to read, right? He's still like above it all. He's, mm-hmm. he's unflappable, right? Like nothing phases him. He's amused by Karis. Karis amuses him. Marin offends him. He actually hates Marin in a way <laughs> that only, like, that only happens when you are invested in someone, right? Like he doesn't care about these other characters, but Marin is an affront to everything he stands for. And that's the crazy thing that this malevolent, inhuman demon stands for, for anything, has any sort of motivation or reason for what he's doing other than to cause pain. But my theory is that we as humans cannot help but inject human traits even into like the monsters that we create. Mm. And I think that's, that's what Blatty has accidentally done with Captain Howdy. And I'm excited to talk about it more later because it's been a pretty wild, pretty crazy character study thus far. I mean, can you imagine this version of this demon who doesn't hate? I mean, is that what we have in the movie? Because we don't get him saying, I hate Reagan. Is he just, and then is the movie version just sort of, um, hmm, a force as opposed to the book, you know? There are, there are little bits in the movie where like the book Captain Howdy, uh, shines through and I'm waiting for those moments. I'm holding back those like readings from the book of Blatty, um, until those come up. Uh, but I'm really excited for those. Um, but yeah, like there's a, there, there's a, a, a time when like he stops laughing, he stops joking and he just like, he, he shouts at Marin and and you can it's it it sounds like human jealousy human anger like how dare you you know do what you do and and say what you say mm-hmm. and and yeah like I'm really excited for that but let's get back to this minute as depicted in the film we got our psychiatrist he is standing hands in pockets he says I'm speaking to the person inside of Reagan now we cut and our camera moves in on Reagan completely still so that you can see the change in her breathing. It starts to get faster. If you are there, you too are hypnotized and must answer all my questions. We cut back to our psychiatrist as he moves to stand in front of Reagan. Come forward and answer me now. We get a hard cut here to that picture above the fireplace as it falls from the mantle. Um, did you notice, Keenan, it falls on a pile of pillows? Mm-hmm. 
There's there's a, a cracking sound, but it very very cr- clearly falls on some pillows <laughs> that I don't know might have been set up for just that purpose. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't typically keep stacks of uh, woolen pillows in front of my fireplace, so I'm not sure. Right. <laughs> but what they're trying to save, um, you know. Ten dollars uh, a take, <laughs> not having this uh, picture frame break, maybe. Right, right. I mean, or or okay, like we can we can work it into the story. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Captain Howdy is always knocking down that picture. Uh huh. He's done it several times. And, and and Chris is like, damn it, I gotta put some. I gotta put some. Right, here. <laughs> right. She's caught it twice. She yeah. happened to be over there. She's, you know what? We we can work. We we can put a pillow down here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. It took one broken picture frame. And now she's like, no, no, no. I'm wise to you, Captain Howdy. We're not doing this again. Right. Yeah. Um, but in any case, so Chris gasps, the psychiatrist looks up at the noise and then back down. And I like the subtle change of his face. Again, he does this little double take and then he frowns at what he's seeing, right? Setting us up for what we see in just a second, right? Uh, but even before we see, we hear. Mm-hmm. And once again, we have our fourth lady, our mystery voice, Mercedes McCambridge, giving us this guttural growl. Uh, Reagan's face is contorted in this animal snarl, right? <laughs> Cut to a shot from behind the chair, very effective, with just just that hand poking out again, completely still. She has not moved this whole time. That hand Something, is the one that the, psych- that the psychiatrist has put there to, to verify she's still under um, hypnosis, right? Precisely, right? But it does that like little kind of like double duty of like you are in the demon's throne room, right? <laughs> and it's it's the, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm thinking of the Pazuzu statue. Mm-hmm. Hang on, hang on. Because he's got one hand up and one hand down, doesn't he? He's got his right hand up and his left hand down. That's correct. Mm-hmm. He's got yep, something yep. else up too, but uh, he's- Oh yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Chris and Dr. Klein are moving back from what I'm guessing is a foul stench. We Like we got Chris coughing and choking and covering her nose and mouth and Dr. Klein trying to be like a little bit more polite, right? Like he doesn't cover his nose, but he like moves away. Like he turns his back and he moves further yeah. into the room, it right? Away from It takes us a little while to figure out what's going on in that shot, I think, mm. because each of the actors is taking, maybe you know, because you read it, you would read the book, et cetera. But, right, yeah. Um, but it, you know, the, each of the actors comes to it at a different time. So Chris is actually picking up this picture that has fallen off the mantle that um, lands on the pillows. Um, mm-hmm. And then she, yeah, she's the first to react and cover her mouth. Um, and then Dr. Klein reacts. And yeah, so it takes a little bit, I think, we're like, oh, it's a smell thing. Right. Now, I've heard a rumor that Friedkin used actual rotting eggs and meat and stuff at some point to get his actors to react. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that little factoid, that little, that little uh, blurb has been pasted under an image of this scene. Mm-hmm. Do we have any way to verify that this is like that A, that this is true, that he did that ever and that B, that like this is the scene that he did it in? Um, I haven't seen that, but I wouldn't put it past Friedkin knowing knowing the no. kind of uh, director that he is. But um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's pretty easy to pretend to smell something bad. I don't think that's a pretty oh, yeah. really difficult skill for an actor to have to worry about. Of course. Keenan, okay, so this wasn't in my notes, but now mm-hmm. I'm just wondering. Um, what do you think this smells like? <laughs> <laughs> what what Pazuzu's burps smell like? <laughs> there we go. You know what? That that growl by Mercedes uh, McCambridge that yeah. that did kind of have like a burpy like texture to it. So I think like if anything, like that gave us like a little bit of a hint. Oh, God, yeah. well, so this, I don't, I don't is, know. It's I... coming from her mouth, and it's like, what is this smell? 
Jeez, you know, when I think of the, the worst smell I've ever encountered, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. Like, I, I remember this is very gross, but I, I have a very distinct mm. memory of myself vomiting as at a young age. Like the first time I think I like my earliest vomiting memory. And I just oh. I just overeaten and I had eat, been eating. Uh, pardon me, everybody. But uh, macaroni and cheese, as you do as a young child and root beer. <laughs> So macaroni and cheese root beer and vomiting that mm-hmm. up and and seeing like now all of a sudden, you know, brown macaroni and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's usually what I, I go to my, my own mind's eye about gross smells. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Macaroni and cheese and root beer. Okay. Oh, my God. Um, Keenan, have you ever have you ever smelled uh, a used protein shaker? Oh, that's been left no, out. I don't do the protein shake thing. Okay. So, so yeah, folks, that is, that is a smell that I am very, very familiar with. So I, I drink whey protein, you know, like, uh, you know, for workouts and everything like that. And just to get, you know, my, my protein quota in for the day. Right. And just keep and track s- as Lester, as a bodybuilder, this is only, the, <laughs> this is only the third time in 63 episodes that you have mentioned this. So yes, I'm just, yes. I'm just applauding you. Okay. Yes. Um, we're going to, we're going to change the cover of this podcast and it's just going to be, it's just going to be me posing, right? I'm going to be in, 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 uh, in Father Marin's uh, costume, but the arms are, are ripped off and it's just like my, my bare guns, you know? No, I am surprised at how little you talk about it. Um, compared to, you know, you, you get, um, most of the time people who, who work out and, and especially bodybuilder type people, like, like, um, mm-hmm. they corner you at parties and it's all they want to talk about. So. Put a yes. microphone in front of one of them. <laughs> What's going to happen? You want to talk about the, you know, the the correct pr- uh, ratio of carbs to protein, <laughs> and, and you know, anabolic versus, you know, yeah, all of that, aerobic versus anaerobic, and <laughs> blah blah blah. Right. Yeah, catabolic. There we go. Cat catabolic. I right. brought it all back. <laughs> yeah, which people okay. who don't work out find fascinating. Yes. No. No. If you are someone, guys, this is just this is just a little PSA. If you are someone who works out even the littlest bit, mm. right, and you have learned something new uh, on the internet today, then next time you are at a party, you see that cute girl over there, right, or you know that group of friends that you're you know trying to get in with, mm. right. Just tell them about how you have to have one pound of <laughs> one gram of protein per pound of body weight, right? And if you're trying to build muscle, it's one point five grams, right? <laughs> Right. They're fascinated by math uh, and, no. and your body. <laughs> they love it. They love it. Yeah. Give proper lifting advice to somebody who is bigger and stronger than you. They will They will appreciate it to no end. Right. Yes. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. But no, no. Uh, like all that to say, um, uh, folks, yeah, if, if you do like have protein shakes and everything mm-hmm. like that, clean those things out because and like even like like i i am like like uh, i almost clean them out religiously <laughs> but um it like there is there is a smell that comes from like after drinking uh you know the protein the whey protein mixed with water and then you just leave that you leave that out for five seconds <laughs> before cleaning it out and you get a whiff of that empty protein shaker bottle oh boy that is that is what i think captain howdy's breath smells like <laughs> Oof, but no, um, yeah, you gotta, you gotta like, like, uh, deep clean that thing. Like I, I do it, like I hand wash it and then I put it in the, uh, the dishwasher and, and it still doesn't like get all the way out. It's like <laughs> in the plastic. It's like, Ugh. yeah, that's why I have so many bottles. Cause I, I can't deal with, uh, with that. Ugh. <sighs> Cause I work out. Um, <laughs> oh, Lester works out. <laughs> yeah. You know, 
There's going to be a quiz at the end of the Exorcist Minute. <laughs> when is Lester's chest day? Right? Um, who is Jesuit Dean? Uh, does he work out? No. Um, okay. So thank you guys for indulging me on that. Um, so but, like what I do find interesting is that our two characters, like whom, whom we've come to know, mm-hmm. have a reaction to the smell. But our new doctor, our new psychiatrist mm-hmm. seems intently invested. Like this is very interesting for him. Like either either he's seen something like this before or more likely he hasn't. Mm-hmm. And this is almost like a discovery for him, like a professional anomaly Right, like he has he has done this, right? If he's the hypnos, he's the hypnotist, right? He's like, oh, right. I I did this somehow. I I have accidentally figured out how to trigger this response in patients. So for next time, let's try to think of what I did. Yeah, he's he's seeing dollar signs. <laughs> he's he's seeing Nobel Prize. Mm-hmm. He's seeing um uh psychiatrist color forms. Right. He's you know like all of that stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna get his own <laughs> TV special. Mm-hmm, belching with mm-hmm, the right. stars. He's going to put the Brady Bunch <laughs> under hypnosis and see what they all had for breakfast. <laughs> what does Paul Lind smell like? <laughs> Hold on. We need to come up with the punchline for what does Paul Lind smell like. <laughs> oh. I, mm, um, mm. Mm. Sarcasm. <laughs> no, but what would he say? What would Paul Lind say? say oh, yeah. Because, oh, God, if only he were here, he would have the perfect answer. <laughs> right, like, like – Three margaritas and a sailor. <laughs> All right, I, I'm I'm done. I was I was like I was going to add my contribution, but no, that that one's the winner, and that one gets the square. Is that, is right. that what they say? Yeah, circle yeah. gets the square. Circle gets the square. Keenan gets the square. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> I was th- I was trying to be like it's like oh well like like all that garbage that Templeton eats no uh, <laughs> oh yeah he's Templeton the rat of course because he he's is. Templeton yeah of yeah. course he is um, mm, I knew I knew Templeton before I knew Paul Lind sure. and then I was like oh it's Templeton yeah. <laughs> imagine uh, imagine Paul Lind is one of the priests <laughs> I bet he would like to do that yeah that would be that would be awesome right? as Miss, uh, as uh, Father Cutie Flip for sure Father oh yes no he would be he would be um, uh, Father Dyer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, <laughs> but in the, in that movie, um, he would like accompany Karis and Marin to the bedroom and then, and then he would, he would make like an excuse to be, I was like, I, I, I left my, uh, you know, I, I left my microwave on, I got, you know, something like that. Like he would, right. he would make a, a, like a funny, like cowardly lion, yeah, like exactly. excuse to leave. Right. <laughs> right. So I got to go back down the stairs. I got to watch my step, I guess. <laughs> right. There's only enough room for one woman in a shawl in this room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And you got me laughing like Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, <sighs> we have fun here, folks. We do. Uh, we hope you enjoy it. Um, <clears throat> Jesus, we get like, we keep getting distracted. Uh, yes. Okay. Person inside of Reagan, right? Um, and then, okay. So, so he asks, right? He's really excited. Mm-hmm. He asks, are you the person inside of Reagan, right? And we cut briefly to Reagan, eyes still closed, and her face seems to relax. I, I guess we could take that as like, now Captain Howdy is here. Like the snarl was him arriving and now he's like settled in. But then, okay, that doesn't jive with um, 
like I had suspicions that he was always there. So I don't know. Right. In any case, like he's calmed down. He's a little bit more relaxed, right? Like just had to get that off of his chest, right? <laughs> that like, mm-hmm. you know, thing, right? Um, our psychiatrist gets even closer. Dude, not a good idea. Mm-hmm. Again, everyone else is backing away and now he's like kneeling down. Like I really think he's seeing something that that he hasn't in in all his years of practice. Right. And he's like a little – he's a little fascinated. He's – Keenan, he's a little hypnotized. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we cut to Chris all the way back, in, you know, in the back of the room. And now she's got like a handkerchief over her mouth, mm-hmm. right? But she's she's still very much like intent. She's watching this thing, right? Like she wants answers too, right? Like she's not so disgusted, not so uh, repelled that she's going to leave uh, the room and, and not get a goddamn answer, mm-hmm. right? Like who are you, right? Like we hear the psychiatrist say that and then we're back to Reagan's face. She looks up and damn, even before her face changes, right? Right. Mm. This that is a scary look that Linda Blair right. is given us. Right. Like like before we even get to Eileen Dietz. Right. Like she's she is not playing Reagan McNeil here. Linda Blair. She is playing right. another character. And this look like what the fuck do you want mm-hmm. is chilling. And then, yeah, her face changes very, very obviously changes. Right. It's the Captain Howdy face. This is the Eileen Dietz uh, face for a split second here. Right. That's that's added for the um, for the version you've ever seen. TV Y and S. I mean. <gasps> Oh, really? It's got to be, right? Oh, huh. Wait, hang on. I mean, this is the Let's... problem with the, the fucking TVYNS, <laughs> TFVYNS, is that you can't, yeah. it's hard to get the original unadulterated one to confirm, but I mean, this is, right, this right. is CGI'd on top of, of this, right? It's, it's, it, yeah. hmm, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Exorcist comparison, right. Yeah, there's a really Theatrical. good one that we, that we found on, what is it called? MovieCensorship.com? Yes. So, yeah, uh, folks, uh, go to movie censorship, uh, movie dash censorship dot com. Um, and uh, yeah, it uh, it talks about the theatrical version, which they abbreviate as TV, which I don't like because I'm using <laughs> TV version, right? Yeah, the TV version, right? right? Yeah. And uh, and then the director's cut. Right. right? Um, and yeah, it has like this. It's it's this beautiful like shot by shot, like uh, side by side comparison. Very helpful. Um, yeah. Although a little bit wrong. Also. Sure. They're doing their best. Like we're doing our best. Right. Right. There is. It, it does say uh, on minute 53, with, which we've already recorded, mm-hmm. that Pazuzu's face, uh, like the statue Pazuzu, not the not the Captain Howdy, but the Pazuzu face appears. Um, this would be like right after uh, um, Chris sees no, doesn't see. This right. is right after uh, the you know Captain Howdy home on the range, um, you know on the stove range thing. <laughs> right. So, so then Chris is walking up the stairs and uh, like apparently in the same minute when she opens the door and sees you know the the open window you know with the curtains flapping in the breeze like right before she opens the door and uh, like there's there's a, a, a Pazuzu stone statue face and we looked and there is not. So, like, so we looked you real, looked real at real the high. Amazon version, I looked at the Blu-ray version. We can't find it. This is the problem with these 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 freaking. Um, a director's cut thing having all these different versions of a movie out there is really frustrating mm. so I, I imagine that they found a version that has that you know I don't mm. think they just made that up <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's well, to come from someplace you know but I specifically mm-hmm. remember seeing that uh-huh. but just not in this place okay so, so maybe it's happened, but we happened. haven't seen it yet. Right, yeah. right. But anyways, I'm really appreciative for for their work over there at movie-censorship.com. Yes. But but yeah, they're trying their best. Yeah. Right, right. And and it has been a bit of a lifesaver. Yes. Um, you know, for us as well. Um and yeah, Keenan, I'm I'm on the site right now and I'm looking and I do not see the um 
the hypnotism scene with uh, with Linda Blair's face changing to Eileen Dietz. I don't see how they would do this effect in 1973 the way they are doing it. Um, Interesting. Uh, okay, we'll look into it. If anyone has yeah. anything, let us know. Yes. So we'll come back to this, folks. This will be another like housekeeping with Willie and Carl. But uh, yeah, if you know, like if you remember seeing the theatrical cut and uh, and not seeing this uh, this uh, quick change uh, of uh, of Linda Blair's face into the Captain Howdy face, then let us know. The Exorcist Minute at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So um, yeah. So it's the it's the Captain Howdy face, right? Like this is Eileen Dietz for a split second mm-hmm. here, right? Amazon X-ray, you missed it. There's no credit here. <laughs> but we got it, right? Uh, maybe that's why. Yeah. Um actually, actually, Keenan, this might be one of the only, or maybe the only shot where we have like the three actresses together. Right? Yeah, like, that's probably true. It's it's still Linda Blair's body. Mm-hmm. It's Mercedes McCambridge's voice, that growl. And we got Eileen Dietz's face superimposed on here, mm-hmm. right? So we got the big three right there um, in this in this one shot, right? Is there another time we're going to get that? Like I'm like literally in the same frame. I don't is what believe I'm so, but let's keep an eye mm-hmm. out for it. Yeah, we'll have to keep an eye out. Um, yeah. So in any case, we get a flash of movement. We barely even know what we're seeing. Uh, but at the last minute, we realize that Reagan has finally moved that hand mm-hmm. that was hanging suspended in the air, right? And I just realized that like this could be like a subtle hint that she was never hypnotized at all. Right. The fact that she used that specific hand. That's what I think um, it is, right? She's like, okay, psychiatrist, look at your little game we've been playing. I've been playing it back. I got you. Yeah, right. And where does that hand go? We know where that hand goes, mm-hmm. folks. It goes right to this poor psychiatrist, Jules, and squeezes with demonic strength. Poor guy jumps mm-hmm. up from the chair. Actually, he doesn't jump. I, I don't think he can <laughs> jump. Um, but he gets up from the chair. Chris is up, too, staring in shock and horror at this new development. And then we get a quick establishing shot, like right before a very interesting, I would even say, uh, Hitchcockian shot. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hitchcockian. Oh, no. <laughs> um, oh, boy. There we go. Shut it down. We're done. Um <laughs> But uh, Keenan, could you tell us a little bit about like where the inspiration for this specific shot comes well, from? It, this this like weird falling thing. Yeah, so we have this camera that is like attached to the actor as it's falling. It's some kind of rig that's keeping the relationship between the actor and the camera steady as they're falling back, right? Mm, yes. And um, you know that is not exactly how they do it in Psycho, but it has the same feeling in Psycho, right? So you're talking mm. about the shot of Detective Arbogast getting his face sliced and uh, him falling down the stairs. I'm guessing. Yes. Yes. Yes, uh-huh. Yeah, that one is done on a really interesting rear projector, um, rear projected shot. So we have Martin Balsam um, doing his stunt and he, he rather than, you know, throwing him down the stairs, which is what Friedkin probably would do. Like, <laughs> like actually, just, why don't we actually slice you across the face and actually throw you down the stairs, right? Yeah, they have a rear projection of the um, of the, the the staircase and the um, and the bottom floor of the of the Bates house. And they have mm. Martin Balsam just act it as if he were falling down the stairs. And yeah. I like that shot because it's kind of really um, the disconnect with the special effect is is really kind of sickening. You know, mm. you see him like floating and, and struggling to hold on to things when you know it's Im- you can tell it's impossible because he can't actually touch anything because he's not in the same right. place as those stairs in that shot, right? Correct. Yeah, yes. this one's a little bit different because it's it's done in camera where we have a, a rig to the actor, and so mm-hmm. um, so it is. It's. Yeah, it's really interesting how we both think of the exact same shot, but they're done entirely differently. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's yeah, it, like I, I, I've seen um, clips, uh, behind the scenes clips, and it looks like like do they have it like like 
attached to his stomach or That's what it like, looks like to me. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. And it's just like staring him in the face. And then he's like, um, uh, slowly, but maybe not so slowly kind of like being lowered down yeah. to the ground. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that way the, the distance between the camera and him is, is always the same. Yeah. Right. So is that, okay. So from that, are we supposed to like, take that as like, th- that's Reagan's POV. Like she's like snarling over him, mm. like, like looking, looking into his eyes as they both fall. Like I at don't the same know. I think that time, we're just or? supposed to see his face. <laughs> like we, we are very much him and experiencing that. Yeah. But in the next mm. shot, we do see Reagan on top of him. So she's followed him all the way down. So right. I think you're probably yeah, right. Yeah. That's probably fair. Mm. She's, she's sort of like uh, uh pounced on him, like, like an animal, right? right. Like Blatty mm-hmm. describes Blatty does uh like names, like several animals in this reading, mm-hmm. um, talking about like her howling, like a wolf and, and, and all this stuff. Um, so yeah, the camera follows this guy down. Um, we follow this guy down as, as if we're Reagan and, and we have pounced on top of him. Um, like, like, yeah, like some sort of like predatory animal. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so the psychiatrist is calling out in the movie for Dr. Klein by his first name, which I think is interesting. So he calls out, right? Um, Harold, hmm. Harold, Harold. But in the book, he's he's not Harold. He's Samuel. Yes. Yeah. And in the script, he is Mark. <laughs> so what? Yeah. So in the, in the script, the psychiatrist says, Mark, Mark, help me. So... What? Who knows why we would have that many – who knows why that would be? That's something but that why? only Vladdy would know. <laughs> why does it matter? Like it, it matters so little. Right. Like like call him Samuel. Call him Mark. Call him like Jesus. Yeah. But that's that's one of the changes that was on Vladdy's mind in these three different versions. <laughs> I don't like this Samuel thing that I wrote in the book. I got I to gotta call him uh, uh, Mark. Mark. And then they're like, well, let's call him Harold. All right, sure. Like, whatever. What? Yeah. But Klein, we kept Klein. You know. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I just like, you know what it is, Keenan? Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, you know, it's uh, they're actually three brothers, right? They're 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 making their mama proud, mm-hmm. right? It's the it's the Klein brothers. They're all doctors, right? <laughs> you know, they went they went into their individual practices, right? right? But you know what? They never call. <laughs> they never call their mother, mm-hmm. and and you know, it just it breaks her poor heart. And that's the that's the the uh, uh, unseen, unheard story of the Klein brothers, <laughs> the, the Klein the Klein triplets. <laughs> one's a cardiologist, one's a neurologist, <laughs> one's mm-hmm. an ENT, and they never call. No, no. <laughs> unless they need money. Unless they need <laughs> then money, they call. <laughs> then they call. Oh my god! But yeah, so <laughs> we got we got Reagan howling like a wolf mm-hmm. and pouncing on this guy. Keenan, she has become the big bad wolf. <laughs> Right, like all the way back oh, to those. Oh, those... yeah, sitting in sitting in her little um her little grandma's outfit, right? Right, in her little grandma's outfit, uh-huh. you know, disguising herself, pretending yes, to be a little girl, yes. right? Mm. It, it it's all coming back, folks. Remember those <laughs> those drawings that that you know in the in the basement in the playroom, right? or maybe they're color forms. I'm not sure. Oh yeah, you know what? They they probably were. Um, but yeah, so I, or. Maybe we can better say that this is Captain Howdy the Wolf in a costume of Reagan, Ew, right? Yeah, but you're right. <laughs> yes, <laughs> gross, but correct. Yeah, <laughs> she 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 has she has pounced on this doctor, this psychiatrist, right? And it's only after Doctor Klein steps in and literally peels her off of him, like a color form. Um, and and by the way, it's a very quick shot, but I think our psychiatrist has fainted, right? Like he he looks out like a light, mm-hmm. right? He is more than likely he more than likely needs a doctor himself. Now. Yeah, if you go frame by frame of this mm. shot that you say where Klein is peeling Reagan off of the psychiatrist's crotch. It's really mm-hmm. um, uh, it's really shocking. Um, mm. 
So mm-hmm. Linda Blair, the actor, is doing the proper thing here where she has just balled her fists up, uh, pressing mm. against the other guy so that she's not actually um, she's not actually doing any damage. Um, oh, I didn't even catch yeah, that. Yeah, if, oh. if you go frame by frame on it, but still, it's really, really uh, rough what, what what she has to do here. Like, she's really, she's really like, ground into him. <laughs> so yeah. it's probably a very uncomfortable stunt, even though they're, they're doing it properly. Right. Oh, God. Yeah. Actually, I had questions about that. Like, like um, could this be another Eileen Dietz, like, really quick uh, change? Uh, as I'm or? looking at this shot here, frame by frame, that looks like Linda Blair to me. Okay, all right. But I don't know. Gonna, Maybe they just did a really it. good job of hiding Eileen Dietz. As, I mean, that was her job, and that was what they did. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. N- no, that no, that's Linda Blair because we we pull out some more and we start to see her face much more clearly. That's Linda Blair for sure. Okay, all in the same shot. Okay, yes. Yeah. But she does. You know that. You know. You know this stagecraft stunt, right? Like if I'm holding, if I'm supposedly pulling you by the hair of your head. Correct. I, yes, I don't actually. Right? I don't actually get any hair of yours in my fingers. I just give. I put a fist, and I put it on top of your head, and then it, it, you can control where I am. Right. 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 So then you would put you would put the fist on top of my head, right. and then I would grasp your wrist, right. mm-hmm. and then I would like we would both struggle, and like the 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 I guess the 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 point of like contact of like pulling would be my grip on your wrist, yes. basically. So they're doing that with Klein gripping Linda Blair's, um, you know, or, or Bart. Heyman gripping Linda Blair's wrist to do that. So she's not, yeah. so as she's struggling and screaming, she's not actually able to, um, to punch the psychiatrist in the, in the, uh, the balls, in the jewels, in the jewels yeah. right. Uh, but yeah, I guess Barton Heyman could by accident, yeah. but, <laughs> but it looks like they're doing everything right, but it's still just must be a very uncomfortable stunt to have done for everybody, yes. for everybody yes. involved. Yeah. Um, for anybody that has jewels, that <laughs> would be a very, very, uh, dangerous and uncomfortable stunt right. if anything went wrong. Right. Yes. Ooh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so Dr. Klein peels Reagan off this guy and they struggle a bit before falling back on the floor. And Reagan is now stretched out, arms wide in a cross, looking very much like she's being crucified herself, right? And she lets out this scream. And I can't tell, but I think this is still Mercedes McCambridge. It's it's definitely not Linda Blair's, uh, or is it? I don't know. Keenan, like, what do we think is going I, on? Here? I agree with you. I think it's McCambridge, or potentially, you know, McCambridge plus Blair together. But but it's mm. not just Linda Blair doing it by herself. That couldn't be right. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 too. Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely not uh, yeah. just her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So and now. Correct me if I'm wrong, Keenan. We get a very special cut here. Oh. Is this an L cut? Right. It is an L cut because we have the sound from the previous shot bleeding into the next scene, right? Hooray. Um, and I think – oh, no. Actually, no. I wrote this this uh, note before um, uh, seeing the other one. No. We did have another L cut before we this. probably had we? a bunch that we're just not noticing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so – Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, recently we've been uh, we've been um, saturated with J cuts. Yeah. So this was a cool little L cut, and I'm like, yay, an yay. L cut, awesome. Um, but yeah, so uh, I'm I'm actually thinking ahead of one other L cut in which we also cut from Reagan screaming, and I wonder if that's intentional, like like that both of these L cuts uh, cut from a screaming demon to I think the other one also cuts on Karis, if I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I don't know, something interesting to, to think about uh, for when it comes up again. Um, but yeah, so this cut almost gives the impression that Reagan's voice is so loud mm-hmm. that it can be heard like all the way out there, like it's echoing throughout this little town, right? Um, and so in this little town, we have a little school 
uh, with a little field and a little track <laughs> and a little guy running on it. And I think it's safe to say that this little guy is a little troubled. Um, he's out there for the specific purpose of tiring his body out. Um, this marks the beginning of a new chapter here in the book, and I'd like to read it to you now. You guys are lucky. You get two uh, <laughs> readings from the Book of Blatty in this episode. So, we are blessed. Um, yes, we are. Um, this one's a little shorter, but, you know, uh, so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just go into it. So, a reading from the Book of Blatty, Part 2, The Edge, Chapter 5. Cupped in the warm green hollow of the campus, Damien Karras jogged alone around an oval, loamy track in khaki shorts and a cotton t-shirt drenched with the clean healing sweat. sweat. Up ahead, on a hillock, the lime-white dome of the astronomical observatory pulsed with the beat of his stride. Behind him, the medical school fell away with churned-up shards of earth and care. Since the release of his duties, he came here daily, lapping the miles and chasing sleep. He had almost caught it, almost eased the clutch of grief that gripped at his heart like a deep tattoo. It held him gentler now. Twenty laps. Much gentler. More. Two more. Much gentler. Powerful leg muscles, bloodied and stinging, rippling with a long and leonine grace. Karis thumped around a turn when he noticed someone sitting on a bench to the side where he'd laid out his towel, sweater, and pants. A middle-aged man in a floppy overcoat and pulpy, crushed felt hat. He seemed to be watching him. Was he? Yes. Head turning as Karis passed. The priest accelerated, digging at the final lap with pounding strides that jarred the earth. Then he slowed to a panting, gulping walk as he passed the bench without a glance, both hands pressed light to his throbbing sides. The heave of his rock-muscled chest and shoulders stretched his t-shirt, distorting the stenciled word PHILOSOPHERS inscribed across the front in once-blade letters, now faded to a hint by repeated washings. Ooh. Again. Uh, I feel this in my bones mm-hmm. um, as somebody who works out and exercise. No, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, this, <laughs> there we go. You know, this is really actually very foreign to me. This idea of like, yeah, yeah the, the kind of things that he's expressing here are not things that I like, like working through your grief by, by your physical exertion. Oh yeah. Like, like, like running or, or, um, you know, uh, uh, lifting or any sort of like exercise, like has always been like super cathartic and therapeutic for me. Like it's, it's such a perfect way to like organize your thoughts. Mm-hmm. I, again, I almost want to refer to it as active meditation, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I know it says here that Karis is chasing sleep and I guess like also to like a casual observer, like it can even look like he's like running from his problems, mm-hmm. his grief, his faith, right? And maybe he even thinks he is, maybe he even feels guilty for like running around the track rather than like sitting and letting his thoughts run around his head but i personally think like this is the healthier option in in more ways than one right like like i'm not going to buy into if that's what blatty and friedkin are trying to say here mm-hmm. um that that like he's shirking or he's avoiding i think he's processing in in the best way he can right um and it's it's one of those like i think stephen king said it um he, uh, ironically he was talking about vomiting <laughs> but um he says like like those kind of like things um are like really, really good at clearing your head because like when you're doing it, you can't think of anything mm-hmm. else. Right. And it kind of like, I don't know, it, it, for me, it, it like sweeps up the cobwebs and, and it, and it, you know, hushes the voices in a way that you can still like manage them and deal with them and comp- you know, like organize them in, uh, like a, a way that you can like solve problems or, or like come to terms with like whatever's going mm-hmm. on. 
But yeah, so I think that's what he's doing here. Um, so we notice a couple of differences here. He's obviously dressed for colder weather. Mm-hmm. Again, I think the seasons are different from uh, the book. Like this this would be sometime after Halloween, right? right? Um, whereas the book has like all of this taking place in the span between April Fool's Day and Mother's mm-hmm. Day. Um, so no khaki shorts, uh, no t-shirt, no, no philosophers either, right? I would have liked that touch. Um, instead, we get uh, Georgetown, which it would just- Do we know like, what that philosophers means? Oh, there's a whole thing in the book, right? Like he, uh, he was on a team it was, uh, theologians versus the philosophers. Oh. And like, there's this, yeah, there's this like very clever banter between, uh, Kinderman and Karis. And he's like, uh, what, what does he say? Like, he's like, um, uh, theologians one, philosophers zero. Am I correct? Mm-hmm. And and Karis is like, uh, no, philosophers zero, theologians one. No, no, no. He says, I, I said the same exact thing. <laughs> Kinderman just he's like, writes he's, it down. He's like, hmm. yeah, yeah. And he, and he and he's like, no, 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 no. Uh, uh, theologians zero, philosophers mm-hmm. one. And you know, it just just this clever like. And we're gonna get to that. Like we get we get a little bit of it in this minute and we get even more in the next minute which i'm excited mm-hmm. to talk about um but yeah uh yeah so but instead of the the whole philosopher's thing we got georgetown which you know okay you know it's fine um <laughs> but we see we see that our guy uh Karis, uh you know he's running um that mask is on again mm-hmm. or is it a mask right could it be could it be the face of intense concentration mm-hmm. right at, at, like what are his eyes seeing right now in this brief shot? Like he's, he's running at us and then, you know, he passes us and then we are behind the bleachers, right? Almost as if, as if we're spying on him, right? Mm-hmm. Like what's up with that? Like, like who are we and what interest do we have in this lone and lonely priest, right? right? Like I think, I think those answers are waiting for us in the next minute. Right. But for now, let's leave our Damien uh, to run a few more laps around the track Keenan, is there anything else we want to talk about in this minute? I have two things. Okay. So I do like that that this track, again, it seems like uh, it's interesting when Blatty gets his way. So he's describing a specific track with the observatory um, at the edge of the track there at Georgetown, and he got it here. So that's really interesting. Yeah, thing. yeah. The other thing is in the screenplay, I don't know what the book will say about this, when we have mm. – um, when we have the the cut from Reagan being pulled off of the psychiatrist, um, mm-hmm. the screenplay says uh, that we're going to have the, the the doctors pull Reagan off, and that Chris crumples in a dead faint. Huh. So we leave that out of the movie. Um, we don't nece- we don't have any reaction of Chris in the movie. Right. I wonder if that's because we tried a, a faint by Chris McNeil, and in, in the edit we thought, oh, that's not very interesting, or that's not very good, or that weakens Chris. But we don't have any any reaction shot of Chris to what sh- what Reagan has done to the psychiatrist. Yeah. And I think rightly, like, cause I think it would also like take the attention away from like everything mm-hmm. that's going on with Reagan. Right. Um, I don't know if we need Chris fainting. That seems a little, yeah. you know, um, old fashioned. Right, um, right. But then, yeah. So then we don't have a replacement for that. We don't have a shot of, of, of Chris just thinking or screaming or anything like that. Right. Right. There is a moment when she faints. And honestly, if she faints also in the book, in this moment, in the, in the hypnotism mm-hmm. scene, I would say, take that out because the one other moment that she faints, mm-hmm. like the sentence ends the chapter. Mm-hmm. It actually not only ends the chapter, it ends the part. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it the, the sentence is just, if I like, I'm going to try to recall it from memory. She screamed until she fainted. And that's Chris McNeil. And you can probably guess what just happened <laughs> to make her scream until she mm-hmm. faints. And I like that as like a, you know, an end to uh, a chapter and to like a part of the mm-hmm. book. Um, but uh, I would, I would say like, if if there was a moment 
for Chris to faint, I would I would say only one, and it would be that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, in 1973, you could probably get one of those, not two, two Chris McNeil faintings. Yeah, yeah, and in the book, like, I, or in in the movie, I don't I don't think she faints. I think it's just right. I think it's another L cut, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it goes into the the next mm-hmm. scene. But yeah, all right. Well, thank you, thank you very much, uh, Keenan. Um, so, folks, this has been another excellent Exorcist Minute. I've been Lester Ryan Clark. You can catch me on all the socials as Lester Ryan Clark. And I've been Keenan Diaz, and you can find me on Instagram and Letterboxd as Howdy Keenan. Howdy Keenan. Um, our website for the show is TheExorcistMinute.com. We also have a Facebook page, so if you like us and you want to share us with your friends, just uh, head over there. We also have a listener group on Facebook. It's called Compelling Conversations. Um, so just request to join, and then you can be in here with us. Um, and, of course, if you'd like to leave us a message, our email is theexorcistminute at gmail.com, all one word. We definitely want to hear from you. What did you think of this minute? What did you think of this scene? Do you prefer the book or the movie more? All of that stuff. We, uh, uh, we, would, we would love to hear from fans, from listeners. Um, lastly, if you like the show and you want to help us out, the best thing that you can do for a podcast that's just starting out is to leave a little five-star review and that'll help other people find us and we can keep growing this cool community. Um, it's funny. I, I'm in, in my interactions, I'm meeting other exorcist fans and I, I tell them about the show and they're so excited. They're like, Oh my God, right? Like a, you know, a, a, a podcast that, that obsessively talks about uh, each minute of the film. Yes. <laughs> right. Like I, I want to listen to that. So yeah. So, so there might be, there might be fellow exorcist fans that have, uh, have not heard about this. Mm. So yeah, let them know folks. Yeah. Uh, bring them in here with us. Um, all right. So that's it for this minute. Keenan, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I think I am Lester. Folks, until next time, the power of color forms compels you.